Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome back to The Once and Future Nerd. I'm so excited to share with you the premiere of Book 2, Chapter 9. But first, I want to tell you about Shaker and Spoon. Shaker and Spoon is a subscription cocktail service that helps you learn how to make handcrafted cocktails right at home. I'd say that small, uh, let's say uh, cozy gatherings have been the name of the game for a lot of us now, going back a couple of years, and Shaker and Spoon is perfect for that. Every box comes with enough ingredients to make three different fancy, classy cocktail recipes. All you need to do is buy one bottle of that month's spirit, and you have all you need to make 12 drinks at home at just $40 to $50 per month, plus the cost of the bottle. This is a super cost-effective way to enjoy craft cocktails, and you can skip or cancel boxes anytime. Our listeners can get $20 off their first box at shakerandspoon.com slash T-O-A-F-N. That's shakerandspoon.com slash T-O-A-F-N. Also, I want to thank our patrons on Patreon who make the show possible this month and every month. And in particular today, I want to recognize Catherine E. and Sephra C. Thank you so much for your support. Okay, I'll let you get to the episode now, and then we will be back on February 26th for part two of this chapter. Enjoy! Once and Future Nerd, Book Two, Myth Made Flesh. Chapter Nine, A Handful of Bodyguards. Part One by Gregory M. Schultz and Christian T. Kelly Madeira. what Miss Meacham was talking about with that Allegra stuff. Uh, yes, Billy, it is a Christ allegory. Allegory, that's it. It's also, to quote my dad, about reclaiming free will and self-identity under the ideological hegemony of late global capitalism. Uh, in hindsight, he missed all the trans stuff, but I think it's all a piece, you know? Hegemony's the chick from Harry Potter, right? I tried. Jen, I'm sorry, I tried. I just, I can't. Oh, my bad. I mean, the young woman from Harry Potter. All right, y'all, hold up. Town up yonder's called Pacific Ridge. And never was there a town less well-named, but that's where our business will come to an end. Services at Lulu's Alehouse should get you in touch with your man. Assuming he still has my prize. The bargain was to the town. Yeah, don't worry. I'm not sending you in alone. Come on out, boys. At Vanderberg's call, six men with drawn crossbows emerged from the tall grass surrounding the party. Regan reached for her swords on instinct, but was stymied, primarily by the surge of pain from her recently broken arm, and secondarily by the fact that she no longer possessed said swords. What is this? These men here are for your safety and mine. Can't have you getting in the wrong hands, not with what you know. Careful with that one, boys. She's a mage. Three of the six crossbows swung to aim at Jen. Hey, fuck off! Point them at me, you chicken shits! 
If any of my crew gets hurt by one of these goons, I swear. <laughs> you swear what exactly? You don't seem to have the lay of the land. You got fast hands, I'll give you that, but they don't seem to know their new limits yet. Regan seethed and scowled at Vanderbug, but made no move. But it ain't all bad. Once our deal's done, you'll have a very powerful ally. You're about to close a deal with the one and only boss of Pacific Ridge. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, enough chatter. I need to check in on my business. Make yourselves comfortable, but keep your head down and don't mention the statue to anyone, or there'll be trouble for both of us. I'll swing by Lulu's tonight for any update on the delivery. And with that, Vanderberg's men prodded the group into motion towards the town. Upon arriving at the town of Pacific Ridge, which they did just before dusk, our party of heroes was met by a single thoroughfare, lined on either side by a row of simple buildings. These were raised a foot or so above the dusty clay ground by wooden stilts. At the far end of this thoroughfare was a town square. This was not where the party was, shall we say, impolitely directed by their new unsolicited chaperones. And so, their clenched fists and angry scowls notwithstanding, it was not where they headed. It is, however, where I will take you for a few moments. Now, this town of Pacific Ridge was home to a few hundred souls. How their time was occupied will be further expounded upon soon enough, but for now, suffice it to say that they were not completely without opportunity for leisure. Step right up, come one, come all. Try your skills at Kyle Carl's latest challenge with our biggest payouts yet. And of course, this niche in the local economy was filled by a particularly enterprising individual who stood at this moment in the town square hawking his services. One throw for just a copper, three throws for two. Won't find a better deal than that, folks. This enterprising individual, who dubbed himself Coyote Carl, wore a wide-brimmed hat, a vest made from the pelt of the eponymous prairie cane, and honestly the most ostentatious moustache I've ever seen. And that's including the seaborne raiders of Southeast Jordan, such as Al Firebeard. Test your skills against this most infamous orc. Next to him, manacled by his ankle to a stake in the ground and painted all over with an ashen grey, was a tall, broad-shouldered man with bright red eyes. Born of the cave people, he killed four elves to escape the mines and then fell in with the hill people, whereupon he rose to become the most fearsome warrior the rangers of Pacific Ridge have ever faced, the one the orcs call the Man-Wolf. Carl and his colleague had caught the attention of a young couple strolling through the square, among others. So it is now, with some unease, that I introduce you to a freckled woman in a frilly dress and bonnet and the stout but densely built man onto whose arm she held. They were called Janie and Bill, respectively. Oh, my goodness gracious. Would you look at him? Janie, will you watch how you talk in public? Oh, come on, Bill. When was the last time we did something fun? Why do they call him the man-wolf? Oh, let me assure you. In his heyday, you'd have rather faced a pack of wolves than one of him. Why, I've known many a brave man who turned tail and fled when they heard his fearsome howl. Carl caught the eye of the large man beside him. The man returned his gaze, 
but took no other action. He tried as surreptitiously as possible to jerk his head towards his two prospective clients. The large man cocked an eyebrow. God damn it, do the thing. The man rolled his eyes. And then... This at last attracted a modest crowd over to Coyote Carl's little paddock. But not to worry. The man wolf owes me a life debt. A life debt? Why, yes, ma'am. You see, I was there the day the man wolf's war party was finally outmaneuvered. I was with my company of rangers, led by a detachment of elves from the White Forest. It was only by great martial feats of elvish horsemanship that we were able to get the drop on them. But they were resolved to fight to the last orc, and the man wolf was the last orc standing. He had already killed quite a few amigos of mine, you see. When finally he was out of arrows, spears, and throwing axes, the elves, and not a few of my fellow rangers, were ready to shoot him right where he stood. But I begged clemency. Isn't that right, friend? That's right. I hated him for what he had done, but I could not help but respect his warrior spirit. I orated on his behalf, friends. Oh, I orated. How long did I orate, friend? Oh, it was so long, I lost track of time. My comrades relented and released him into my personal custody. Now, it is the custom of his people, when one man saves the life of another, for that man to serve his savior for the rest of his days. And that is why he is here. Now, who wants to try their skill? All right, all right, one at a time, folks. You, sir, you are here first. It's one throw for a copper, three throws for two. What'll it be? Sorry, maybe tomorrow. Oh, don't you want to impress your lady friend there? You ain't scared, are you, friend? In an instant, any sense of fun drained from Janie's face. Bill? Scared? You know who the fuck you're talking to? Whoa! Easy there, fella. I apologize sincerely for any offense. It was a jest deriving from the absurd. As anyone can see, you're as brave as they come. But... If you've other business to attend to. No, I'll play your little game. Three throws. What's the rules? Why, very simple, my good man, very simple. You throw this here axe at yonder stump. Get as close to the bullseye as you can. Then this here lumbering tower of oracle throw. If he gets closer to the bullseye, you lose. If he doesn't, you win. Are you ready? You bet your ass. Ready then. Give her a go. All right, not bad at all. Wolf? Well, I reckon he's got you beat by at least an inch there, buckaroo. Give her another shot. Damn, son, not bad at all. I'm sure glad I apologized to you. Well, let's see how the man wolf fares this time. Well, shucks. Best it again. All right, last time. For all the bacon, let's give our contestant a round of applause, shall we? All right, settle down. Settle down now, folks. Let's let the man concentrate. Hot diggity damn! I'd call that a bullseye, my good man. 
that's gonna be tough to beat, even for a vicious killer such as this one. And folks, we don't want to see that happen, do we? The red-eyed man reared back with his throwing axe and shattered the prior axe with it. This shit's rigged! Uh, everyone, I assure you, this is a completely fair game! You're full of shit, Carl. Hey, shut the fuck up, Bill! You just swore you lost. Let one of us play. Why you've always got to be such a rude horse's ass, Ned? Janie, you shut the fuck up, too. You're just sore you picked a man with a little fish bait pecker. <laughs> What'd you say, you lick dick rosebud bastard? You heard me, you stinking mulberry son of a bitch. You son of a bitch. At this, the large red-eyed man effortlessly pulled the stake to which he was manacled out of the ground and began to spin it above his head as a makeshift flail. Give us some room. With this, we may now jump backwards in time by a paltry few minutes and rejoin our primary protagonists. They had been not quite willingly escorted to a saloon, and it is here we find them, sat at a table in the back, their protection positioned inconspicuously around the barroom, but always in sight. Not that there was any danger of the travellers from the east commingling with the locals. All but the proprietor gave the newcomers a wide berth. Your Grace, we need a plan. I'm working on it. No doubt, but perhaps we might work on it together rather than you keeping it to yourself. Yeah, okay. You want to hear what I got so far? Totally. That's it. What? I've got nothing. That Vandenberg prick got it right. We don't have the lay of the land. We don't know shit from soup out here. All I know right now is we're not giving him that damn statue. Okay, that's something. Can we work the problem, start with not giving him the statue? How do we do that and not get killed? Oh, fuck if I know. We got nothing to work with here. I don't know these people and they don't know me. We've got no leverage, no feet in any doors. Fuck, I don't have a toe in a window. I don't have a cunt hand a litter box. Jesus, why would you want to- With respect, that assessment is flawed. You are forgetting we have some small amount of items that we can barter if need be. Additionally, you have the mind of a master thief and six people willing to fight for you. Plus a maybe magic baby. Yes, also we have a babe. Your Grace, you don't need to do this all on your own. With all due respect, fighting on your own is how you ended up with broken arms. We are your court. We all have skills and knowledge you can lean on to help in your time of need. We are tools at your disposal. Who's a tool? Ah, <sighs> fine. Thanks. I'll be sure to lean on and dispose of you as I see. Hi, we're still okay over here. Right, look, y'all seem generally bewildered, so I reckoned I'd let you know. First plate of bread and a first bowl of stew is free for newcomers around here, so long as they're gentlefolk who behave themselves. Free? Y'all want any? What kind of stew? Regan! Yeah, okay, fuck it. Right, back in a sec. What? I think everybody's just really hungry. Well, congrats. We're not just broken captive anymore. Now we owe somebody something. She said it was free. I heard what she said. Here's the bread. Stew's coming next. Thank you so much. Your Grace, I think there's something wrong with this bread. 
Holy shit. They got tacos here? I'm getting a chalupa. Who wants one? There's nothing wrong with it, Brad. It's just a tortilla. A what? It's unleavened, and they make it with corn instead of wheat. Try one. What is corn? We're going to eat it if you aren't. Mm. Mm. Oh, my God. Mm. They're really fresh. Mm. Yeah. These are the bomb. Mm. Don't eat them all. It was then the proprietor of the ale house returned from the kitchen with seven steaming bowls of stew and placed them before her seven hungry patrons. There we are. Rancher stew, my secret recipe. Enjoy. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, thanks. But the four members of our party who had lived their whole lives in Eastern Jordan were more cautious with the food, as much of its aroma was entirely alien to them. <laughs> What's in it? Well, it's meat, beans, and a paste made from savory fruit. I'm fascinated by the concept of savory fruits. I'd love to ask you more about it later. Mm, it's good. Well, don't act so surprised. Yeah, you know, that's pretty... Poison! <coughs> it's poison! It ain't poison. Why would I poison you? Maybe she's allergic to something. Oh, God, they don't have EpiPens here, do they? What do you feel? My mouth's burning! <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, Regan! Hannah's <laughs> going for a bit. Regan faced her comrades with a look of incredulous betrayal that they would laugh in the face of her pain. It's not poison. It's just seasoning. You mean they cook it like that on purpose? Drink some water, you'll be fine. Or milk. Milk's better. You have any milk? Haven't been fresh for three days. Water, then. Water's not that fresh, either. You want a beer? Yeah, fine. Beer. Put it on that guy's tab. Why do they cook it like that? I don't know. Tastes good? Also, it makes you sweat without raising your body temperature, so it helps when it's hot out. Did that not hurt you, Brennan? There's a wee stinging, I suppose. It's worth it. For the flavor. You're all out of your fucking minds. Damn it, it is really good. I don't feel any stinging. Yeah, birds and elves, the high berries don't affect them the same way. Who can say? There's a brawl in the square. Y'all better come quick. The party's chaperone stood so quickly that it seemed like a reflex. You three stay and watch them, like Les said. We'll go check it out. And just like that, our hero's protection was halved in number. The other six instinctively looked to Regan for cues on whether they should do anything to take advantage of this sudden change. But Regan, for her part, surreptitiously lowered her usable hand with the palm facing down, as if to tell her comrades to remain still. All the while her attention was wrapped to the goings-on in the barroom. Lovely. Another brawl. Galley, Lulu. Why is your beer always warm? Oh, I don't know. Maybe because I'm always using my precious little eyes to start treating black eyes. And with this exasperated aside, the saloon's proprietor stomped off into the cellar. And for a moment, there was peace again. But not for very long. For soon thereafter did our party first encounter Coyote Carl and his employer, who entered the saloon in something of a hurry. Needless to say, they were somewhat fascinated by Carl's appearance, and very fascinated by the appearance of the large man who was with him. These two ducked into a booth near the front window, 
but such was their state of excitement that their conversation was still largely audible to our protagonists. God, you see that one kid? What was he, 17? Took a rock to the head the size of a roast ham. I saw. You think he'll live? Doubt it. This town, I tell you. I told you to hire a handful of bodyguards. And I told you it's fucking impossible around here. You hire from the Rosebuds, the Mulberries show up and fight them. Hire from the Mulberries, the Rosebuds start shit. You hire some from both, they fight each other. Entire town's full of bodyguards and it's the most dangerous damn place I ever lived. Besides, I thought you'd be my security, you know? At least a little. You don't pay me enough to do security. You barely pay me enough to do what we agreed on. Speaking of, were things as dicey as they are? I might have to split town sooner rather than later. What? Split town my ass? Our deal was until the first snow of the season. Our deal was until the first snow of the season unless things got unsafe. Then I said I'd leave if I had to and you'd pay me for the time I did work. Oh, right. Gotta have your silver, don't you? I'm told that's how your people conduct commerce. This isn't the raise we talked about. The raise was to do the new Axe Throne game, but we didn't make any fucking money from the Axe Throne game, now did we? And how's that my fault? Well, you didn't play the part right. What was that bullshit with the how? What was that bullshit about the life debt? Our deal was you play the part I tell you to, no ifs, ands, or buts. I did the how when you asked me to. I shouldn't have to say it out loud, you lunkhead. I was giving you a signal. I'm a big dumb orc, remember? Can't expect me to pick up on the fine cues of civilized society. Well, you got a real shit attitude, you red-eyed bastard. I pay you an honest wage for an honest day's work. There's not many here who do the same for your kind. You gonna pay me what you promised? Or are we done here? Here! You fucking greedy bastard! That what you want? Again? I'm told that's why your people work. Yeah, yeah, we're fucking done here. I'll see you next year once you've pissed away what I gave you. Coyote Carl rose from the booth in a huff, just as Lulu emerged from the cellar with a bucket of ice. Howdy, Lulu. And soon after his departure, the large man painted grey approached the bar and spoke with Lulu. I think I'm gonna split, Lulu. You mind if I take some supper in the cellar first? Sure. Head on down. I'll bring you some as soon as I can. Appreciate it. Anybody asks, I slip down the back. We should definitely talk to that guy. Yeah, for sure. Nelson was pleasantly surprised to see the flush of crimson rising to Regan's cheeks. That pissed you off too, right? That guy was clearly getting- Out of my way, out of my way. Holy fuck, where's the shitter? <sighs> Banner day, Lulu. Go west, young woman. Go west, they said. Lots of space out there, lots of peace. Lulu! Vanderberg's men reached for their hips on instinct. When they saw who was darkening the door, they relaxed, but their hands stayed near their hips. Oh, for Galadin's- And when Lulu saw who it was, she too softened immediately. Janie, are you- Give me the crossbow. You bet. As Lulu rushed behind the bar, Janie paced near the entrance, casting furtive glances toward the door. Son of a bitch threw a bottle at Cotton Ball, Lulu. Cotton Ball. Gods know I sass off sometimes, or have a few too many and flirt with someone, but Cotton Ball never hurt a living thing in all his sweet little life. It's too much. If he ever hurt that innocent little thing, I... Lulu returned, putting a rather antiquated single-shot crossbow in Janie's hands. You remember what I showed you, right? <laughs> How to use that? Janie continued to stare at the crossbow in her hands. It's already loaded, so all you need to do is aim and shoot. Uh, 
I don't know if I can do this. Sure you can, sweetie. Just aim and shoot. If I miss? Gods, what if I don't? Oh, I love him, Lulu. I know you do, but this is no way to keep on. Janie, will you quit being such Bill a- Bill stormed into the bar, catching Lulu and Janie by surprise. So much so that Janie accidentally let loose a bolt that narrowly missed the man's head. Bill looked back at the bolt in the wall, took a moment to comprehend, and then flared his eyes and nostrils as he wheeled on Janie. You stupid! But he stopped short as he saw three gangsters stand, hands on holsters. This ain't got nothing to do with y'all. You not see her try to kill me? Bill, look at her. She's shaking like a tumbleweed. Anyone can see it was an accident. Uh, accident my ass. You and your woman ain't our business, Bill, but keeping Lulu's as neutral ground sure is. Oh, I see. She rutting on you rosebud bastards too? Do you fellas know this bitch is tainted? She's sweet on that gray skin that Lulu keeps feeding. Our party was already wrapped by this exchange before Bill let loose this particular slur, but now they were on highest alert. I ain't ever stepped out on you, ever. Bill, for once in your foul-spotted life, piss off. Like Selbrin, I will. You don't think I know whose crossbow that is, Lulu? What if it is? Ain't I got a right to shoot a mad dog what barges in here? Yeah, right, neutral fucking ground. You're full of shit, Lulu. Y'all three are breaking the pact. I'm gonna get my crew, and we'll see what they've got to say about that. And honey, we ain't finished by a damn sight. And with that final outburst, Bill left the barroom, leaving everyone else in stunned silence. Oh, come here, sweetie. It's all right. Looks passed back and forth between our entire party of seven. Nia in particular sought to catch the gaze of Jen, but Jen had a hand on the shoulder of a tense and shaking Billy. What do you need? A drink? A bath? Somebody to shoot that piece of shit for you? Offered Regan, re-emerging from the back door. Generous, no doubt, but maybe mind your business. Having thus offered what she could, Regan rejoined her comrades at the table. Hey, you missed- I heard most of it. We just learned a fuck of a lot about this town. Starting with who I want to kill first. The Once and Future Nerd is directed by Christian T. Kelly Madeira. It is created and executive produced by Zach Glass and Christian T. Kelly Madeira, and co-executive produced by Jess Kelly Madeira. Associate producers are Susan Degnan and Alex Story. It is performed by... Rhiannon Angel Garrett Arman Dan Dobransky Anya Gibeon Ian Hawkins Aaron Lanham Paul Notice Anna O'Daniel April Ortiz Frank Queres Julie Reed Regina Renee Russell Gregory M. Schultz David Sylvester Wolf Editing by Tristan Stone Foley Sound Design and Post-Production Mixing by Edward Bush is our musical director and lead composer with additional scoring by Chris Montalbo. For more, visit onceandfuturenerd.com or find us on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr or Reddit. 